Yo, Chuck, what's the move, man? And I was on my way up here to the studio, you know what I'm saying? And this brother stopped me and asked me, yo, what's up with that brother, Chucky D? He swear he nice. I said, yo, the brother don't swear he nice. He knows he's nice, you know what I'm saying? So, Chuck, I got a feeling you're turning into a public enemy, man. Now, remember that line you was kicking to me on the way out to L.A. Lounge in Queens while we was in the car on the way to the shop? Well, yo, right now, kick the bass for them brothers and let them know what goes on. Rolling stones in the rap game, not bragging. Look bigger than Jagger, not sagging. It's brother backwards, I'ma leave it at that. That ain't got nothing to do with rap. Check the facts, expose those cats. Who poses heroes, take advantage of blacks. The government's gangsters so cut the crap. A war going on, so where y'all at? What goes on? What is going on, people? That is a little change up from what I typically do for some entry music. Um, I do got to tell you that when I first started uh, ACC Basketball Report, that was the tune that I wanted for uh, my intro music all the time. Um, and that was, I, I tried to petition uh, the powers that be uh, for the rights to actually use uh, that particular song. <clears throat> Never received a response, so I don't know if I went about the right avenues as far as uh, as far as getting that music. Um, I had a friend of mine try to help me out with stuff like that, and uh, never never heard back. So what I've been doing is, you know, I try not to use the same song all the time. Uh, I try to switch it up a little bit so I don't get myself into trouble. But uh, I definitely wanted to use that song, one of my favorite songs from when I was younger, uh, definitely. And uh, and I love that song, and I actually used it for one of my favorite radio shows on uh, Sirius, which is the Bonfire with Big J Okerson and Dan Soder for about a year and uh and if that song doesn't get you amped up uh you know i I don't know what will you must not be a fan of music but uh one of my favorite tunes uh from the rap r&b genre and uh, one of my favorite rappers of all time to begin with um i want to jump in this is the acc basketball report episode 23 obviously the michael jordan episode uh the greatest of all time there is no doubt in my mind michael jordan is the greatest of all time we can argue if you'd like at pico 36 on twitter send me all the proof you want if that other guy um that is somewhere flopping around like a dead fish or actually i don't think dead fish flop so somewhere flopping around like a fish out of water if you think that that guy's the greatest of all time hit me up we'll talk about it uh, i want to get into a few things today today's gonna be a real short episode um not a whole lot going on i was supposed to get on yesterday it was pretty slow i didn't really feel like it it was my birthday i turned the big three five uh, you know, sat outside, did some porch drinking, did some uh, some dog petting, uh, hung out with the Tucker dog, and uh, you know, pretty nice little Sunday. I didn't go to I didn't go to Home Depot. I didn't go to Bed Bath and Beyond or anything like that. But uh, you know, just chilled out at the house. I probably should have done some yard work. Yard looks like hell, but uh, I didn't. Just uh, kind of sat on the porch, enjoyed the birthday, uh, sipped some bourbon, drank some Yingling. I've actually uh, <clears throat> tried a little Evan Williams this weekend. Never had it. It's uh, fairly cheap. Typically, I don't buy or drink anything that doesn't have a cork in it. And uh, a buddy of mine told me that Evan Williams was pretty decent for a cheap bourbon and gave it a try this weekend, and he's actually right. So, uh, you know, it's always nice to find the good cheap stuff. Uh, I always thought that uh, stuff like Jim Beam and stuff I was never really into, but this Evan Williams is pretty good bourbon, so I'm going to probably keep a, a, a pretty good stock of that around the house. Getting to some ACC stuff this weekend, which is why you guys are all here. You guys really don't give a fuck what I'm doing in Clayton, North Carolina in the offseason. So, ACC uh, Commissioner John Swafford comes out uh, in the past few days and the ACC is ready to propose uh, tournament expansion for the NCAA tournament. Uh, my response to that is no. Please. Stop. Do you guys ever see the movie Basketball that was made by the creators of South Park? Eventually, 
the NCAA basketball tournament is going to look like the tournament in the movie basketball. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, we have the first four, which is nonsense right now. I mean, what what's the purpose of the first four? Okay, it's it's to create revenue for the NCAA. It's to create more revenue for the tournament. That's all it's there for. It's not because the quality of basketball is great, though. Most of the time, I think all every year except one. Uh, one of the teams from the first four have made it to the second weekend. Okay, that's great. That doesn't mean they deserve to be there. Okay, it means they probably should have played better during the regular season. Uh, I, I'm not a supporter of these any of these playing games. I think they're absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I do have some ideas, and I have seen some suggestions that I do support. Um, I personally think that the NCAA tournament should go back from 68 down to 64. The 64-team tournament works. I think it's the best model that we've ever had. Uh, it's less confusing to, I think, the casual fan and the casual people who are, are filling out brackets, which those are the people that the NCAA is going after as far as viewership goes, okay? They have us, okay? They have me, okay, a guy who podcasts in May about college basketball, okay? They have you, the people who listen to this podcast about college basketball in May. Okay, they have the the parents of the players. They have all these people. Who they're going after is uh, housewives. Okay, yes, I, I said it. Uh, it may be a sexist thing in today's environment. Okay, they go for casual fans, maybe guys who you know went to North Carolina but don't particularly watch basketball, college basketball, whole up. But hey, North Carolina's the number one seed. That's a big story. Then they watch. Those are the guys they're going after. They have me. They have you. They have you know, millions of other people who they're looking for is the guys who are, you know, debating on whether or not to watch the NCAA tournament or uh, reruns of Supernatural on TBS that day. Okay. Those are the people that they're going after. And I, I don't, I don't see the advantage other than the revenue that the first four generates to having that. The quality of the tournament is not enhanced by that. Okay. One thing that's very interesting to me is in the ESPN article, uh, that discusses the ACC proposing the expansion of the NCAA tournament, uh, the Buffalo coach, his name is Nate Oates, thinks that this is a good idea, that mid-majors should support this, given that more teams from his his particular conference, the MAC, would get more opportunities to be involved in the NCAA tournament. That's a farce, okay? The NIT has become the mid-major NCAA tournament in years past. It's more difficult for Power 6 tournaments to get into the NIT the last few years because the NIT has basically adopted the ideology that we're going to take these teams that, that people kind of want to see, like Illinois State two years ago, um, St. Mary's this past year, even though St. Mary's isn't really a mid-major anymore. But it, it's difficult for mid-tier, mid-level uh, ACC Power Six teams to get into the NIT. Um, Georgia Tech, who went to the ACC championship game a couple years ago with uh, 18 wins, something like that. I think they had eight wins in the ACC, barely squeaked in to, to the NIT a few years ago, and they made a run to the, the championship game. But it, it's very difficult for Power Six teams, I should say Power Four teams, like ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. Those those four conferences specifically have a very difficult time getting their middling teams in because most of the time, those middling teams are are pretty poor resume-wise. There's a reason they didn't get into the, to the, AC, uh, the NCAA tournament. Now, if if you think that Nate Oates is correct, and I, you know I don't know the man, he's he's a really good coach. I know that, but I, I think it's naive to think 
that just because you expand the, the, the tournament by four teams, you're going to get another Mac team. Okay. What are these, what's the NCAA looking for? They're looking for viewership. Okay. They're looking for a national brand to fill in those four spots. Okay. You're not going to get Eastern Michigan or Miami of Ohio. That's, that's not going to bring TV viewers to the first four. And they're talking about having it out West, which you would assume what San Antonio, Phoenix, Something, something like that, because you know Dayton is obviously a, a big time travel for a West Coast team to get to the mid, uh, the Midwest, and then get to wherever they need to go from there. You know, God forbid they put them back out west. That's a lot of miles to travel in a short period of time for an NCAA tournament team. Now, is there any is there any suggestion that if we had seventy two teams in this year's tournament that we would have had more mid majors? Absolutely not. Okay. First four out this year, Notre Dame, USC, St. Mary's, and Baylor. Not a single mid-major in there. Now, there is a West Coast Conference team in St. Mary's. St. Mary's was ranked this year. Okay, St. Mary's had one of the best post players in the country this year. Okay, St. Mary's is historically, over the past, what, six, eight years, one of the top, what do you say, 35 programs in the entire country. Okay, consistency. Randy Bennett's a good coach. The West Coast Conference is a good conference. Okay, Gonzaga was a number one seed out of that conference just a couple years ago. Okay, now there are some interesting idea uh, ideas out there. If you guys follow, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his last name, and I apologize. Uh, Eli Boker, uh, who is a writer for uh, the Mountain West Conference, uh, he is a, a very intelligent guy. Uh, he's on College Hoop News uh, podcast with Tony Patelis pretty frequently, I believe, and he has a, a pretty interesting idea of how the tournament should run. Um, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I think it's a very good idea. And basically, what it boils down to is you need to put as much emphasis on regular season, uh, regular season conference champions as you do postseason tournament conference champions. Okay, I have, uh, you know, I've I've long been um, conflicted about how do you how do you make the 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 turn uh, the the conference tournaments uh, profitable? Okay, because it, it's a big deal. Okay, money is generated by these conference tournaments. Excitement is generated by these conference tournaments. How do you make the regular season count in a more significant way than just uh, conference tournament seeding? And reward those teams that played well for four months, as opposed to only rewarding uh, teams that played well for four days. Okay, I I don't really know how to do that. Uh, Eli has come up with sort of a plan to do that. Again, I don't think it's it's something that'll ever happen, unfortunately. But uh, I did retweet the tweet that he sent it out in. So uh, visit my uh, my Twitter page at Pecon36. I just retweeted it before the show, so you can still get it while it's still fairly fresh. Um, I, I do believe that you have to reward these regular season conference champions with more regard than the tournament champions. Uh, the conference tournament champions, again, create excitement, but it's not good for the tournament that these guys get in, okay? It's not... I'd rather have a really good team that was good over the entire season that had a tough luck loss in the conference tournament than a shit team who had a miracle run at the end. Okay, um, they're they're great stories for a single day, but it's a bad product for the tournament. It's not a tournament game that anybody's going to want to watch. Okay, they're not going to want to see a 15 and 17 team walk into a 16 seed and get blown out by 80 to Kansas, or you know, I mean, I guess they could knock off Virginia if they were happen if they happen to get that draw. But you know, any normal number one seed who typically performs in the NCAA tournament 
you know, you're not going to get that upset. And I just, I think it's bad for the tournament. It doesn't maximize any viewership. It doesn't maximize dollars. I just, I, I don't see how it helps, but I also don't know how to fix it. Um, I, I don't support the expansion. Um, I actually support retraction. Like I said, go back to 64, get rid of all these ridiculous playing games where, you know, I, I look at my bracket after Selection Sunday, and it's not even full. I don't even know who the fuck's playing in the first round anymore. So, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's because I'm a little bit conservative, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not uh, as progressive a thinker as some may like. I just like things that work. 64 is a nice round number for this tournament. I think it works. I support that. It'll never go back. I understand that. The only thing it will do from now on is go up. As they start to generate more money, the only thing it'll do is go up. Unfortunately, it'll create more money for the Power Six. Okay, It'll create a larger gap between the Power Six and all the rest of the mid-majors. Um, and you may see it... I'm not sure, it, 100% sure that it will increase the amount of tampering that's going on, which if you don't think there's tampering going on with with the aspirations of Power 6 coaches to get into the NCAA tournament and generate that revenue for their programs and other programs in that conference, I think you're being a bit naive. Um, there are 624 transfers currently listed on verbal commits, and it's only going to get worse from here, I think. And we're not even close to the numbers that we've put up the last couple of years. There's still more to come. There were still two transfers that transferred out of Towson today. Two of their top four players transferred out today. You know, we're in the third week of May. So it's it's only getting worse. You know, those guys, at least one of them, is going to end up in a Power 6 conference. And if you're telling me that they haven't been contacted by coaches prior to receiving their release from Towson, I think I think you're crazy. Um and, that, and that's kind of my stance on the NCAA tournament. I want to spend a little bit of time on that today. Uh, I wanted to also jump into uh, some of the NBA draft stuff that we're hearing um, shortly before I jumped on this podcast today. Uh, Josh Okoge announced that he would be hiring an agent and foregoing his final two years at Georgia Tech uh, for his, uh, his NBA aspirations, which if you've been paying attention to the NBA combine, he's been killing it at the NBA combine. Now, We've had I've had some conversations with some Georgia Tech fans in particular who thought that he wasn't ready. You know he's going to go on to come back. Uh, it's a week of draft next year. You know he still he doesn't quite finish at the rim as best he should. Uh, he's still a little bit a little bit small at six four and a half. Maybe he doesn't quite have the range. Okay. People are people are acting like this kid should treat this decision as a business decision. That is very difficult to do. And, and by the way, uh, to say that he can't shoot, the kid shot 38% over a couple seasons at Georgia Tech, so don't tell me that he can't shoot. He can shoot. Um, <clears throat> this kid, think about what has happened. Okay, He's a three-star kid. By all, by all respectable okay, uh, recruiting services, he's a three-star kid. Okay, Underappreciated in his own state of Georgia. Comes into G-Tech, averages 16 points a season. Okay, comes back for his sophomore year. Uh, there were actually were people that were afraid he was going to leave after his freshman year. I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that was likely, I should say. Um, I, I knew that he had some work to do. I think he did as well. Josh is a pretty smart kid. Um, now, he comes back for his sophomore season. Tell me how much fun this sounds like. Okay, You, you play in an exhibition game to raise money as a fundraising program for, um, I believe it was Houston, uh, that one. I'm not sure. It may have been Puerto Rico, but I believe it was Houston. Um, you break your finger, okay? So you're going to miss some time. Then some knucklehead uh, who pretends to be your friend 
comes out and says he provided you with, uh, you know, impermissible benefits, okay? You have to sit out more time, okay? You endure a 13 and 19 season, okay, after you had one of, you know, GTEC fans will tell you that 21 and 16 season that they had in Passioner's first year is one of the best seasons they've had as a Georgia Tech fan in quite some time. Now, that's saying a lot of things both ways, okay? One, that that, that season was awesome for GTEC fans, and two, the state of Georgia Tech basketball right now is pretty sad. Now, you come back from that, you go 13 and 19, okay? You break your finger, you get suspended, your name gets dragged through the mud. Um, a guy that was supposedly your friend is now a guy who's trying to ruin your college career. Uh, you get to the offseason, and two of your assistant coaches leave, that being Daryl LeBerry, Tavares Hardy. Hardy uh, took the, uh, the head coaching job at Loyola, Maryland. Um, you lose... One of the best centers in the ACC, maybe all of college basketball, and Ben Lammers to graduation. And you lose one of the best scoring six men in the conference in Tadrick Jackson to graduation as well. Tadrick Jackson also being one of Josh Okogie's probably better friends on the team with Brandon Alston and Sylvester Ibonda. You know, if, if you have the opportunity to go pro, make money, and not put up with, with, with half of those distractions... Okay, you don't want to worry about the whole the mess that the NCAA is in as far as FBI, uh, as far as anything that may have happened with the program that you play for before you ever arrive there. Okay, not to mention things that may have happened with the investigation that got you suspended before the season. Okay, you don't have to worry about once you get that that possible guaranteed pro, uh, contract that things like broken fingers, broken feet, things like that don't impact your earning ability in the future. You've already signed that contract. That money's already guaranteed to you. You're not looking at a situation like Bruce Brown out of Miami or, or Bonzi Colson at a, at a Notre Dame that they break their feet. And what do you do? You know, you're looking at a long recovery, okay? How Bruce Brown is, is actually, I've heard he's done quite well at the combine. Um, Bonzi Colson apparently broke his foot again a while back, so he, he's been unable to, to perform. But... You always have to worry, what's the torn ACL do? He comes back for his junior season, he tears his ACL, he's out a year. Okay, now he comes back as a senior, okay, which is already a stigma that most of these college stars try to avoid. Look at look at Grayson Allen at Duke, okay? He stayed two years too long. Now he's a second rounder. He's probably a lottery guy two years ago. So you have to look at it. It is a business decision, but it's also his dream. His dream is to play in the NBA, okay? And I don't think a lot of Georgia Tech fans see it that way, and, and I think they need to take that into account. I think... You know, one of the other stories that's going on at this combine is you look at the guys who uh, probably improved their draft stock. Obviously, Kogi was one of them. That's why he announced he's staying in today. Gary Trent also improved his draft stock at, this, at the combine. Jacob Evans of Cincinnati improved his stock. Tyus Battle did not. Okay, he performed pretty poorly at the combine. And when those other three guys, Kogi, Trent, Evans, um, you know, Grayson Allen's obviously going to stay in. When those guys perform well and you do not, and right now he's looking like, you know, a fringe second-round pick right now, Tyus Battle needs to come back to school. And I, I really hope that he is getting the counsel that he needs because I think Tyus Battle can play in the NBA, okay? I think Tyus Battle has the type of upside that could lead him to an NBA career. I think he has the athleticism. I think he has... I think that jump shot's in there. Okay, I'm, I'm a big Tyus Battle fan. I think he's a scorer. Okay, 
but he needs to refine those skills, okay? What he doesn't need to happen is he doesn't need to be a fringe second rounder uh, to undrafted and then have to work his way all the way back when it, it's pretty simple to just to go back to Syracuse and dominate. Because make no mistake, he goes back to Syracuse for his junior year with uh, some feedback from the NBA combine that he wasn't good enough. Kid's going to score 25 a game next year. Okay, and he's going to have a point guard that's going to get him the ball in Jalen Carey in ways that will will eventually allow him to succeed far better than I think uh, you know uh, Frank Howard uh, provided him, which I think Howard's a, a, a good co- uh, good point guard, but I think you put Jalen Carey out there with Battle Washington, and then uh, O'Shea Brissett if he comes back. <clears throat> along with Chukwu or Sidibe or Dolajai, you know, that, that's a quality team if you're going to play four, you know, four out. And I, I just like, I love Jalen Carey's game, and I think Jalen Carey's addition to Syracuse is going to help Tyus Battle a great deal. Uh, Tyus Battle probably won't be having to create his own shot quite as often as he did before because the Syracuse offense this past year was basically either Howard's going to take a jump shot after dribbling the ball into the ground or Tyus Battle's going to take a jump shot after dribbling the ball into the ground. They might hit Brissett for some kind of jump shot eventually. Let me grab a sip of water here. But eventually, you know, Brissett's really, he's relying on his own athleticism and his own ball hawkness uh, to go ahead and get those get those opportunities for himself. His rebounding, obviously, fast break opportunities, things like that. So, I think Tyus Battle needs to come back. I think if he does, Syracuse is going to be excellent next year. Um, probably middle third uh, of the ACC, and definitely in the mix for a, uh, a NCAA tournament bid. Now, I want to stick with this NBA draft stuff real quick. Um, I do, you know, during the NCAA season, I'm not exclusive to the ACC. Obviously, I watch far more ACC games than any other uh, conference, but there's a few things that I wanted to comment on. Um, I think, you know, NBADraft.net has some of the best information uh, on the NBA draft. I, I've been using that site for years uh, when, when you know, looking up information for that and using their rankings, using their rating system, looking at their scouting reports, things like that. There are some things this year I just don't think make sense. First of all, even... Getting drafted at all, Hamadou Diallo is a bust. Okay, uh, you know I watched him play in Egypt at the nineteen and under class, uh, nineteen and under team, uh, the tournament that R.J. Barrett and Luka Doncic won. I'm just not a believer in in, in the kid's ability. I don't, I don't think he can shoot it. I think he's super athletic, and that's great. He should have entered the NBA last year before anybody saw him play. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. I want to throw it out there real quick. Also, according to NBADraft.net, Mitchell Robinson is at number 19 to Atlanta. Okay. How? Why? Whoa. Okay. Brandon McCoy is at 43 and Austin Wiley is at 45. Now, I know that McCoy had a really bad combine. Okay. He just did not impress anybody by what I've what I've read and what I've seen, what I've saw. Um, but I did watch him play in Egypt as well. The kid's a rebounding machine. I think he needs to be motivated, and I think he needs to be coached, and I think his upside is huge. Um, I certainly trust his upside more than I trust Mitchell Robinson's personality. I think that goes without saying. I mean, how do you trust Mitchell Robinson at this point? He commits to Western Kentucky for the simple fact that Shimon Williams, his godfather, is an assistant coach there. Shimon Williams then leaves the staff after Robinson uh, enrolls in class. He leaves school. 
um, tried to transfer, and obviously you have to sit a year. Okay, this kid was already seen as a one and done, so you have to sit a season. So what's he do? Finds out he can't play. Finds out he can't get around it. There are no hardship waivers anymore in the NCAA, so you can't do that. Finds out he couldn't play immediately. Tries to go back to Western Kentucky. Goes back for what? 72 hours, something like that, leaves again, okay, decides to train for a year, he's going to concentrate on the NBA draft, hey, that's fine, that is fine, I, uh, you know, Western Kentucky, I, hey, they were good this year, they should have been in the tournament this year, with Mitchell Robinson, they might have been a second weekend team this year, unfortunately, that did not happen, okay, Robinson didn't want to be there, he simply went there because his godfather was there, and he went to City year, he goes to the NBA draft combine, stays what? A day and then leaves, which I can't fault him for that as whatever he is, 18, 19 year old kid. I don't want to sit in that room and answer those questions as well. Okay. Better to tell him that you have a tweaked ankle and you check out my film and, and, and use that on draft night. Okay. Probably still a top 25 player. My question is who is the GM and what are you thinking? If you're taking out a gamble on that kid, when you can grab a kid like McCoy or Wiley, in the second round, or even Yante Maton from Georgia. You know, though, I think they're all comparable. I mean, this kid's a beast, but Brandon McCoy has a ton of upside, in my opinion. He's a rebounding machine. He's the ultimate garbage man. You do not have to run plays for him to be effective on the offensive end. And he's going to block shots on the defensive end. Now, he's going to need some coaching. I think he needs some motivation. He likes to take plays off. He's not always hustling. He's not always doing that, which, you know, that that's concerning in and of itself. But I would I would take a chance on McCoy before I ever took a chance on Mitchell Robinson. Um, again, it's not about leaving the combine. It's about how he um, how he handled himself at Western Kentucky that leaves me a little bit concerned. Um, I actually, aside from highlight reels on YouTube, I've never really seen him play in a game. You know, now he hasn't played competitively for over a year. Okay, McCoy did put up some pretty monstrous numbers at UNLV sometimes. Okay, Wiley is known as a really good rebounder. Wiley actually started on that USA 19 and under team over McCoy most times. I just, I, I think those, if you can grab those guys in the second round, I think Atlanta is smart to use that pick on somebody else. Um, something else I saw was Travon Duval at 30 with Keenan Evans at 48. How? Why? In this, in this NBA, how do you select a point guard with a first-round pick that can't shoot the ball a lick. Now, I've, I've compared Duval to Derrick Rose before he got to Duke. Um, I would I would let, gladly retract that statement if you guys would let me. Um, Trayvon Duval is, is no Derrick Rose. Okay, he's long. He's effective on the, on the defensive end. He can run the fast break. He can finish in traffic. You have to be able to shoot in today's NBA, and I, I, I'd take Keenan Evans over Trevon Duval probably nine times out of ten. Um, Evans is a winner. Evans can shoot it. Evans can get to the rack. You know, he's a 6'3 point guard, so he's a, he's a fairly big point guard. He's got some size to him. You know, he hurt. He, he played hurt most of the most of the postseason this year. Um, and late in the season, and just willed that Texas Tech team to some wins. I, I love Keenan Evans. I think he's one of the second-round guys that can make one of the biggest impacts in the NBA. Now, you're looking at the top 10, NBADraft.net. Who's the biggest bust in the top 10? Jaron Jackson Jr. for Michigan State. 
great defensive numbers, great win share numbers, great metrics. You know, he's he's six eleven. He can shoot the ball. Da 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 da. I don't see it. He just he doesn't doesn't do it for me. I don't know what it is. You know, whenever I see him pop out to the shoot that corner three for Michigan State, I just cringed. He just looks awkward on the court for me sometimes. Um, you know, when I first saw him at the Champions Classic, I believe last year. I, I was fairly impressed. As the season went along, I became less and less impressed all the time. Um, if he goes number six, I just I, I don't know. I, I think first of all, if he goes number six, I think you should trade down because you should be able to get him later than that. Um, I don't even remember who who I saw that had him at number six. I don't have that website up in front of me right now. I just think of all the guys, you know, it came down to two guys for me: Mo Bamba and, and Jaron Jackson. Now Mo Bamba's going to come in. Does anybody else see FK Udo when they look at Mo Bamba? I mean, Bamba's got the length, the crazy length. I think he's going to be a great rebounder, great shot blocker, similar to Udo. I just, I don't know. I, now, I, granted, I only saw Texas play three, four, five times this year. Um, I mean, he put up he put up some stupid numbers some nights. I just, when you're that skinny and you're that large, I worry about injuries later on down the line. And, I, and I've said that about DeAndre Ayton as well. Um, I worry when I look at his size, how big, what a physical specimen he is. I worry about his feet. I worry about his legs. I worry about his knees. Um, you know, it's just, it looks, a player like Marvin Bagley, uh, Marvin Bagley III, looks so much more natural to me. You know, 6'11", uh, crazy athlete, great rebounder, uh, potential to be a, a tremendous sh- uh, shot blocker, rim protector. He also shot 38, 39% from three as a freshman. Someone like that, I can, I can just see the longevity there other than a monster like DeAndre Ayton, who's 7'1", 7'2", plays all over the court, crazy athleticism. I just see injury. That's all I see. And I don't know why. I don't know what that is um, about that. I'm just uh, um, suspicious, I guess, of long-term health when it comes to um, physical specimens that we've rarely seen before. You know, who's the last guy to look like that? Shaq. Okay, Shaq was once-in-a-lifetime type player. You know, Yao Ming was obviously larger, even larger. And, you know, he experienced trouble with his feet, trouble with his legs throughout his whole career, and eventually ended his career prematurely. So it's just something I worry about, and it may be unwarranted. Who knows? But, uh, you know, of all these big guys in this draft, I think Marvin Bagley III is the safest pick. Um, as far as he looks like he's the most comfortable with his body. Uh, he's grown into his body, into his frame, and I don't really worry. Now, he actually had some injury concerns over the course of the season. I think he had a slight MCL sprain at one point, but nothing nothing related to, to really how large he is. I worry about these guys' feet. Most I worry about Bomba being thrown around in the NBA. I worry about Aiton having foot problems or knee problems, and you know Greg Oden. You know that's what I see I, when I look at DeAndre Aiton. I see Greg Oden for some reason. Um, it's just it's crazy to me. It may be unwarranted. It may just be me being neurotic, which is, is not unheard of. Okay, moving on real quick. Who's the biggest sleeper in the draft? <clears throat> for me, <laughs> it's difficult to come to grips with this fact. It's Grayson Allen out of Duke. Okay. Um, He's got <laughs> Grayson Allen is one of the guys that, as a sophomore, kid scored 21 points per game was a lottery pick. For some reason, whatever it is in the NBA, being good isn't enough. Okay, you're old at 21 or 22 or whatever these guys are when they're ready to graduate. Being a senior is like a stigma that you're past your prime. 
Okay. Grayson Allen averaged 21 points a game. Grayson Allen scored more career points than Trajan Lagden, who was a, I believe, a lottery pick for the Cavaliers back in 99. That's a guess. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, the, Grayson Allen can score. He's got the athleticism. He's a, he's a good he's good size for the two, I think, at the NBA at 6'5". He's got the range, obviously. The kid hit 300 triples at Duke. Okay, what's the, not, what's the knock on Grayson Allen? Well, he's batshit fucking crazy. Okay, so you you know you do what you did with Des Bryant in the in the NFL. Like get him a babysitter until he shows that he can handle the money and the responsibility of being representative of your franchise. Now you think that somebody would have told him that being representative at Duke would you know would would sober him up a little bit. Well, unfortunately, everybody from Dick Vitale to ESPN to Mike Shashevsky is, is an apologist for whatever the kid does. Um, I don't think that's the way to handle him. I think you need to hold this kid accountable and show him that this shit's unacceptable. Um, And, you know, give him a reason not to do it, okay? Losing a million-dollar paycheck is a damn good reason not to act like an asshole. So, I I mean, this kid has the athleticism. He has the range. He has the defense, okay? He just needs to grow up a little bit. Now, you know, don't forget, the kid's still 21, 22 years old, okay? He's still a kid. You know, I, I don't even want to tell you what the hell I was doing at 22, 23. I, shit, I don't want to tell you what I was doing at 28. So, <clears throat> this kid is going to go in the second round, and he's going to make someone very happy. Okay, he's going to make somebody very happy someday. Okay? Um, again, how do you how do you spend the 19th pick on Mitchell Robinson, and you got Grayson Allen uh, going at 35? Mitchell Robinson never even played NCAA basketball, Grayson Allen scored 2,000 points at an ACC school. How do you have someone like, uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr., who's a very good player, is he better than Grayson Allen? I don't think so, okay? Is Trevon Duval better than Grayson Allen at the NBA level as a prospect? At the college level? No, no. Is Lonnie Walker? No. Lonnie Walker played like shit for about two-thirds of the season this year. And then he they, Miami squeaked by the last couple weeks Got a few good wins by one, two, three points per game. Lonnie Walker made some big shots, made a name for himself, averaged 13 points a game, and now he's a lottery pick. Is Lonnie Walker better than Grayson Allen right now? Absolutely not. Will he be in five years? Eh, pretty good possibility, okay? That may have been a bad example. Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech, he's better than Grayson Allen? No. Kid made one dunk in the tournament, okay? That's the only reason he's here right now, okay? You know, Zaire Smith, eh, 11 points a game, 5 rebounds. He can shoot it, okay? He can shoot 45% or whatever it was, 43% from triples. You know how many he made? 18 threes in 37 games this year. Okay? You're going to you that's the guy you're going to bring into the to today's NBA where the emphasis is on deep shooting at all times. Okay? Grayson Allen made 291 over the course of his career. Okay? Zaire Smith made 18 in 37 games. Uh, who are you going to take? I mean, I know who I'm going to take, and you can keep Zaire Smith. I just stuck up for Grayson Allen for like four or five minutes, all right? That's how you know this podcast is dedicated to the best news and information from the ACC, all right? Swallowed my pride there. Now, I'm a little bit nauseous, but I'm going to live. All right. Um, I wrote on Twitter the other day, uh, you know, kind of asked. It's been a little slow news week since I released last week's podcast on Wednesday. been a little bit of a slacker lately. Um, what should I talk about in today's pod, in today's episode? Now, luckily for me, 
Josh Kogi declared for the draft. Obviously, I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so that gave me something to talk about. Uh, this stuff from the ACC and their proposal for the NCAA tournament, that stuff broke, so that gave me something to talk about. Um, but <laughs> Matthew over at uh, Talking ACC Sports, uh, all ACC Sports, all ACC Sports discussion, uh, Hokie Smash on Twitter, uh, did send me a response with, what is my favorite barbecue joint in North Carolina? Uh, sadly, I have not been to as many as I want to. I heard there's a fantastic place over in Goldsboro that I have yet to try. Um, my favorite place right now is a place called Smoky Shack on Chapel Hill Road in Morrisville. That is Route 54, uh, just outside of, of, uh, Morrisville heading out. Uh, you got to cross, uh, airport, airport boulevard and airport, uh, an aviation parkway or something like that. And it's out there, uh, past the sheets on the right. If you hit uh, uh, Welcome Federal Credit Union, you've gone too far. But it's right there on Route 54. Uh, it's called Smoky Shack. There's a sign on the door that says they are open whenever the fuck they get to work, and they're closed whenever they aren't there. So, you know, that place has, has the right thing for me, has the right kind of attitude for me. Um, there's a lot of inappropriate stuff on the wall in there, which I love. I love inappropriateness, okay? Um, I am all about things that offend people. Okay. As you may have noticed, if you listen to this podcast, I love controversial sayings and I, I believe that stereotypes exist for a reason. I believe that you can make fun of people for any reason you want. For example, some say the Irish are short, fat, bald, uh, red haired and drink too much. Okay. You just explained my senior picture in high school. Okay. Um, stigmas and stereotypes exist for a reason and it is what it is. Um, how did I get? How did I get there? Where did I? How did I go from talking about barbecue to talking about stereotypes? Anyway, um, there again, there's a place over in Goldsboro that I really like, and, and for cheap, uh, you know, eh, barbecue. I, I like Dickies. You know, if I'm in a hurry, I want to stop and grab some barbecue Dickies. But if you're in Chapel Hill, go to Smoky Sh- or actually not Chapel. It's a little, it's on Chapel Hill Road. If, uh, you know, if you're in Morrisville, which why the fuck would you be? Um, if you're in Cary or if you're just passing through Raleigh, hit Smoky Shack on 54, go in, grab some of the smoked wings. Okay. You want to, what you want is a two meat basket. Okay. You want some smoked wings and you want some ribs. Um, after that, I tend to go for, they have a bean medley, baked bean medley. It's got three or four different types of beans in there. Love going for that. And after that, they got, they got some, some mac and cheese that, you know, it's the kind that you actually put the spoon in, and when you pull the spoon out, there are are stretches of cheese that follow the spoon. It's almost like a Pizza Hut commercial. You know, the, the pizza doesn't look like that in real life, but on the commercial, they pull the slice away, and there's cheese everywhere. Okay, that's the macaroni and cheese at Smoky Shack. So, go to Smoky Shack. Tell them Pecone sent you. They will not give you a discount, and they'll ask you who the fuck I am. But it'll be cool for you to tell them that I sent you there. All right, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Go on, tell me I suck, tell me I'm awful, throw your best stuff at me, just leave that five-star review. Uh, it's, it's really helpful for this podcast as far as me uh, getting sponsors, uh, getting noticed. Um, you know, Again, just trying to build the brand, people trying to bring you guys the best information you can, and the best way I can do that is uh, being support, supported financially um, with, um, with uh, sponsors. So... That's what, you know, that's the next step for this podcast. That along with the message board. The message board is still coming. Um, Again, I work construction. I got a $35 million project I'm opening up in the next 60 days. Uh, You know, 
I, I got I got a pup that's sick. So things are a little bit crazy around the house right now. The message board is still coming. I'm thinking it's probably going to come in the fall when things calm down for me a little bit. I just don't have time to build it right now. Um, you know, real job getting in the way. I hate it. Uh, visit slapassign.com for my scouting report on Notre Dame incoming freshman Prentice Hub. Uh, this is a kid I knew very little about uh, before I started researching for the piece. And by the time I was done, he'd basically become one of my favorite uh, incoming freshmen for the 2018 class in the ACC. Uh, a really wonderful point guard who I think is going to fill in for Matt Farrell uh, very well. Uh, visit me at accbasketballreport.com for any additional content that I may be putting out. Again, I typically like to put that stuff out uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I try to get a couple pieces a week out. Uh, I also have an obligation to slap the sign. And I also have another um, iron in the fire with another website that I'm going to try to contribute to as well in my uh, my constant quest to stretch myself as thin as possible so I can become frustrated and then just blow up and give up all at the same time. I'm just kidding. I will never stop doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast. I love trying to get uh, information that other people aren't giving you guys. I like getting that information to you. Um, what did I do? Slap a sign, accbasketballreport.com. Again, don't forget to like, share, like rate, review, share. Uh, I've also got some surprise stuff coming for you. i got a guy um, who may do some uh, news and notes for me. Uh, he is currently following the EYBL circuit. Um and as soon as he gets enough uh, information uh, squirreled away, gather up so he can write a, a quality piece, uh, we'll get that stuff out to you. I've also got uh, a little bit something special that I'm hoping to talk to somebody about tonight uh, as far as doing some guest spots on the website. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm hopeful that's coming. I'm also setting up some interviews uh, in the future uh, later on this summer. I got Tony Patelis who's going to come on. Uh, hoping to have a couple assistant coaches from the ACC join me. And just some other interesting people from basically from around Twitter. There's a lot of really knowledgeable people on Twitter that I'm hoping to get on here if, if they can come up with some time to accommodate uh, the ACC basketball report. And uh, we'll try to get you guys some good information, some, uh, some good sound clips, and uh, keep you guys informed. So uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Happy Monday. And I will see you on Sunday. Later.